Welcome to the Ghost Tea Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Willow, a clairvoyant since childhood, paranormal investigator, and a witch. Today we're going to be talking about extraterrestrials and starseeds, and this is an introductory episode, and I understand that I'm not going to have a whole lot of information for you in this episode, but I hope that it kind of opens the doors for us to start a conversation, and hopefully I can make more episodes related to this subject in the future related to your question. Before we jump into the subject, I do want to remind you that everyone has different views on things, and that's okay. I don't ask you to believe what I do, I just want to share what I've found in my personal path with others. Alright, with that said, let's get to the tea. Okay, it is 1.50am in the morning, and I had a sip of a 5-hour energy. Was that a good idea? Probably not. But will it make me productive and make more podcast episodes at 2am? Probably. So, is anybody complaining? Not me! Also, I don't know when. But do you hear that squeaking? That is my chair. I know that a lot of people who have gotten sessions from me over the past couple weeks realize that this chair has become a staple within my practice, apparently. It loves attention. I need a name for this chair because it will become famous. I know that it will. So welcome um, as my guest on the podcast, Squeaky Chair, um, who loves attention, apparently. And is now a guest star on the show permanently until I get a new chair. (laughs) Okay, enough talking about chairs. Let's get into extraterrestrials because everybody wants to know about the ETs. I do want to kind of give a little bit of backstory just because I kind of feel like it's necessary for you to know where I'm coming from in terms of this subject because it can kind of sound like I am just jumping in out of nowhere and like, I want to talk about star seeds and aliens. But really, I've been working pretty much one-on-one with extraterrestrials since 2013 when I found out that I was a star seed and really started exploring my star seed roots. Now, if you don't know what a star seed is, a star seed, at least in my understanding and what I have learned from the extraterrestrials that I've talked to, as well as the other beings such as archangels and things like that, they have described it as someone who has had their first incarnation as a physical being or multiple incarnations as a physical being, more so on another planet than on Earth. So if you have more incarnations as a physical being on earth, then you are more earthy, um, energy based. So you're going to have a more grounded energy. It's going to be easier for you to ground. It's going to be, it's just going to take less work. You're basically a tree. Whereas someone who has a lot of past lives on other planets, such as myself, I've had more lifetimes on other planets than on Earth, which probably explains why I don't understand anything of why things are done the way that they are on Earth, (laughs) which is totally another subject. Um, People who have a lot of past lives on alien planets or other planets tend to have a harder time grounding on Earth because they don't really find it easy to connect to nature as much as people who have had most of their lifetimes on Earth or have had their original lifetime on Earth. There is kind of an argument out there that people say, well, isn't everybody a starseed? Because technically everybody is made of star stuff. And that is technically true. I mean, 
there's not really anything that says you can't be a starseed if you want to be identified as one. However, I do believe that people who are starseeds and do have more lifetimes on other planets may be less likely to follow societal norms with the way that the Earth-based norms go and might help us to push forward our societies and our uh, viewpoints on things to a more futuristic and more progressive way. And that is not meant to sound political at all. I think it's more so meant to be that people who are starseeds, especially the generations who have come in in the early 2000s, tend to be very determined to change the structure of the way that we do things to help us to progress forward in new and radical ways that can help kind of jumpstart us into a new phase of innovation and things like that. This obviously can come to be an upset for people who are used to outdated ways of doing things or just aren't ready for a, a new technological boom within our world. It can be a scary thing, especially when people are not used to having technology kind of take over everything. But the thing is that we're behind in the game. As far as other species go out in the universe, the extraterrestrials that I've talked to when I have had these interactions with these beings has been ones that really opened my eyes to realizing that we are very behind. <laughs> we are the kindergartners of the universe and everybody else is in high school. This doesn't mean that we can't catch up and we can't make efforts to kind of meet them where they're at and have their help to help elevate our society to be one that is more technologically advanced to help us make more grounds outside of Earth. But I also think that there in my opinion, is a resistance to doing that until we can actually figure out what is okay and what isn't. I feel like we're still, as humans, learning what consent is, and I, I'm not going to really go into uh, colonization, but I think we need to learn a couple lessons there before we go seeing other planets and are like, hey, um, here's my flag. This is mine now. So I think that there's been a resistance and maybe a period of patience that star beings who have interacted with Earth realize that there has to be for us to understand what is expected of us as far as rules of presenting ourselves and proper etiquette within interactions with other beings and other places. But then in addition to that, you have people within certain governments, I won't name specific ones, but you can guess what I'm talking about, where they are just very determined to keep us in the dark. I am one not to get very deep into government conspiracies. I really don't believe that it goes super, super deep. And I might be wrong about that. And I totally understand that I may be and I will own up to that. But at the very least, I do believe that they have not told us about the extent, openly told us, about the extent that they have in communication with extraterrestrials. Because the extraterrestrials that I have talked to 
have told me that they do have contact, regular contact with the government. And, and I'm referring to the U.S. government. And that they make plans and are having conversations on a regular basis. But us as the rest of the country, I'm referring to the U.S. again, are in the dark. I have seen other countries and other governments being a little bit more open about their involvement in reaching out or trying to find middle grounds with extraterrestrials. And whether or not that that is accurate, I can't say. I'm not a government official, so I don't have that kind of clearance. But simply based on the evidence that we do have from actual government documents that have been released, it's very apparent that they have been attempting, if not have already made contact and have regular contact with beings outside of Earth. So going back to the basis of how I got all this information and where I kind of started with my extraterrestrial contact journey, I want to go back to 2013 when I was living in an apartment in Reno, Nevada, and I was just kind of opening up myself to exploring my spiritual gifts in a deeper and more expansive way. In addition to figuring out that I could channel and that I had spirit guides and all of these things that suddenly were coming into my viewpoint. And during this whole eye-opening experience and life-changing experience of getting to know my spiritual gifts on a different level, I learned about starseeds. And back then, there really wasn't a lot of information out about starseeds. So all I know is that they existed and I related to every single thing that I could find about them on the internet. I started to explore and open myself up to the idea that maybe I had had past lives that weren't on Earth. And maybe that was why, as a child, whenever I would look at the stars, I would feel homesick. And I would always have these feelings of being homesick, but not knowing where my home was that I was sick for. I remember finding so much difficulty growing up, and I still do now, with trying to understand the earth and how our systems worked within earth and societal norms and things like that it just felt so confusing to me and i really didn't understand things that were basic things like money and why we had it and why it was necessary also things natural things like how children were made and how they came to be was very confusing to me and I remember as a kid having conversations with my mother where I would say why don't we just have switches within our body that we just turn on when we want to have kids and she was like that's not really how it works sorry <laughs> but I was convinced that this should be a thing and that that would be so normal or why can't we just incubate things and just have them outside of our body. I don't understand why this is such a hard concept, but to everybody else, I sounded like the crazy kid. But now I look back on it and I'm like, oh, that's my, that makes sense. So after having found out about starseeds and really connecting to the idea, I found out that there was going to be a extraterrestrial channeler coming to a psychic fair in Reno. At the time, like I mentioned, I had been channeling, but I had only been channeling gods, goddesses, and angels, as well as spirit guides. So extraterrestrials were completely out of my viewpoint or my understanding of 
what I could bring in. So I didn't even realize that that was an option for me. So before I attempted it myself, I wanted to go visit this woman and see what would happen. Worst case scenario, I waste $150. Best case scenario, it might bring me some answers. I remember the day that I went into the psychic fair, which I had been to many times before, and feeling a little bit nervous because I didn't know what to expect. I had never experienced another channeler outside of my friend at the time who also channeled, but channeled a little bit differently than I did. And we went up to her booth and we signed up for sessions and I went behind this little room divider and she started chanting. And I remember in that moment having this, uh, such a human reaction and being like, oh, here we go. It's one of the crazy ones. And feeling so incredibly disgusted with myself that I would be judging someone so hard for something that I do in that moment and yet I was judging her for it and I felt so just embarrassed by myself and within the moment that I was thinking of that and her chanting I felt the energy shift for anybody who has witnessed me channel on live streams or in person you know that when I channel my energy changes and my face changes and you can tell that it's not me anymore and that is what happened. I was standing there and one moment I was seeing this really sweet blonde woman chanting and dancing behind a room divider. And then the next moment it was a different person, but they felt so familiar. But I was holding it together. I was trying to act normal. And then as soon as they spoke, they said, we have missed you so much and i broke down in tears and i get emotional even now thinking about it because in that moment i felt like i had met with someone who i hadn't seen in eons and it was the most embracing warm loving energy that i have ever felt I have very rarely had such connected experiences since then with spirit. And it's not that I don't connect with other energies the same way, but it's very rare for me to feel that intense connection with a being like that. The being that was channeling through was a Palladian and they informed me of all of my starseed roots without me prompting anything. And I want to go into the things that I knew about myself before they had confirmed it for me was that I was very drawn to the Orion uh, constellation and I had been since I was a little girl and so had my brother. I have no doubt in my mind that my brother is a starseed as well. Austin, yeah, I'm calling you out on this podcast. Haha, ha, got you. <laughs> um, but we had always been very connected to the Orion constellation and I would always look for it and when I couldn't find it I would always get very disappointed and it was either that or the Big Dipper. Now granted these are very common constellations to find in the skies throughout the year but those were the two constellations where I knew that if I felt lost and I saw them I felt like I had just a little grasp on where to go. So. As I did not expect, the Palladian that came through confirmed to me that I was a starseed and that I had starseed roots in Andromeda, Orion, Sirius, 
Pallades, and many other star systems because I was a star traveler. They said that my energy was very, very starry due to the fact that I had had many different lifetimes on many different planets, and a lot of those lifetimes were spent traveling between those worlds. As a reader myself, and an intuitive as well as a channeler, I know that there are very easy ways for people to manipulate someone in order to give them more information and for them to make you feel as though they know more about you than you do. And so I was very careful about what I shared with her before the session and also during the session. I didn't want to influence anything to give them information that they may be able to use to confirm how I was feeling. But all of the information that came through only confirmed the feelings that I had with the information that I had and really truly made me feel as though I was being given permission to be who I actually always had tried not to be. And I do feel like that experience was one of the major experiences in my spiritual path that really made me open up to pursuing this as my full-time job as well as who I was because I had always tried to fit in in the way that everybody else had and expected me to and it finally just made me feel like I could just be my weird starry self. So fast forward like a week from that experience I woke up one day and there was a blue alien in my living room and this was a moment that I do have to admit I started to kind of doubt myself. I I remember standing there. I remember waking up one morning and I got up and my husband, my, or well, my fiance at the time had already gone to work and I had gotten up to get some cereal or something. And I walked out into my living room and there was a blue alien there. And I said, yeah, no, this is not happening. I, I am definitely going crazy. And I just heard hello. And I was like, I'm just, I just ignored it. I ignored it because I was like, nope, this is not happening. I am literally losing my mind (laughs) because at this point I was just not convinced that I could talk to aliens. Gods, goddesses, angels, for whatever reason, were much easier for me to believe in than interacting with aliens because it it just is so normal for people to be like, oh, aliens? Oh, yeah, you've lost your shit. You've lost your mind. You are absolutely off of the deep end. But I was like, you know what? I am going to give it a shot. I'm going to, I'm just going to hear it out. I'm going to see what it has to say. So I said, hello. Yes, I can see you. And he, um, I later learned, came and sat down. And I said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Nikato. And I said, okay, cool. Um, where are you from, Nikato? And he said, Sagila. And I was like, where is that? And he said, nowhere anymore. It doesn't exist. And I was like, fun. So um, what? what's up with Sagila? Like, what is it? And he said, it's your home planet. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Yep. Okay. So you're telling me that because I've had this channeled session yesterday, that suddenly it opened this door to me finding out my my starseed roots. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, um, I think 
this conversation is not going where I want it to go. So I think we're going to end it here. I gave Nikato so much shit when I first met him, but he is a spirit guide of mine. He only, re- he only really interacts with me on the spiritual plane at this point now. He used to be around me all the time um, in a more physical way, the way that the, the beings that I work with on a daily basis are. But he, um, since probably around the beginning of this year, um, decided to kind of move over to the spiritual realm rather than being more physically present in my life. And that was kind of a hard adjustment because I've been so used to him being by my side at all times um, since 2013 that it was very, very weird for me to adjust to not having him there. But he has helped me so much uh, in connecting to other starseed races and um, extraterrestrial races and just learning more about other worlds and cultures and things like that, that it just... I cannot really express my gratitude for him. After meeting Nikato, I had so many more extraterrestrials come through nearly on a daily basis. And the cool thing is that in the beginning, I don't know why, but in the beginning, I felt this very important draw to drawing. I felt the need to draw out or attempt at the very best, because I I will be the first to admit I am not an artist, but I felt very drawn to drawing and attempting to uh, draw pictures of what I was seeing, because I was like, I don't know when, and I don't know how, and I don't know why, but these are going to be important at some point, and Maybe it's just to help me keep track of the beings that I've seen, but I need to keep track of the beings that are coming through because eventually someday it might make sense. So I did. In the very beginning, whenever I would meet a new extraterrestrial, I would draw them to the best of my ability with, which honestly aren't that good. I'm I'm still embarrassed to show people my drawings because they're so bad. Um... But I would try to draw every single extraterrestrial that would come through. And let me tell you, there have been so many times that I have been seeing documentaries or interviews on TV where people have shown drawings of beings that they were talking to and they match my drawings. And those are freaky moments. For example, and I I will be the first to admit, I really do value a lot of the information that Stephen Greer shares. Um, He has a lot of really incredible documentaries about his experiences with getting in touch with extraterrestrials and connecting to them, um, especially after his near-death experience. And I highly recommend checking out um, Stephen Greer's documentaries and just the info he shares is very, very intriguing and very interesting. I have personally um, attempted CE5. I don't think I was doing it right. I did it in the Black Rock Desert back in 2015, I believe, with um, some family members. And I just, I don't think I was attempting it correctly. So I'm actually really eager to uh, try it when I 
move out to Phoenix, Arizona in November. So hopefully, crossing fingers, I'll be able to successfully connect to extraterrestrials in the CE5 sense rather than how I have been through my clairvoyance so far. But kind of going back to the original reason why I brought this up is I was watching um, Stephen Greer's newest CE5 documentary, which is called Contact of the Fifth Kind. I'm sure there's a lot of different platforms that you can watch it on. I personally watched it on Hulu. Hashtag not sponsored. I wish I was, but I'm not. So this documentary goes through a bunch of different things. It doesn't really go deep into Stephen Greer's path, but more so just goes into the most recent experiences that they've had within the CE5 community that has grown and grown over the years. And it was just really cool to see how much they've grown and how much they have been able to document as far as videos and pictures and eyewitness accounts of people interacting with extraterrestrials and having UFO sightings. But I was really excited because one of the photos that they have from one of the CE5 experiments is a photo that they shared of an extraterrestrial with a triangular head. And I saw it and I immediately got super excited because one of the first extraterrestrials that I had experienced back in 2013 looked like that. Um, He showed up by my bed. It must have been like 2 or 3 a.m. I don't know. They don't understand time, so they just show up at any time. And I was very freaked out because he resembled enough of a praying mantis to me that it really had me unsettled. And um, I didn't want to freak out my fiance at the time. So I said, listen, I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're here, but I don't want to offend you. You're really freaking me out. Can you please go out of this room and I will meet you in the living room tomorrow morning. Right now, it's the middle of the night. I need you to leave. And he walked out of the room and I was like, okay, I got rid of him. Cool. He's never going to come back. Next morning, I walked out and he was sitting on my couch. So... If you're going to tell an extraterrestrial to go away, (laughs) be very thorough about it because they will wait for you. (laughs) So I interviewed him. I got over my fear and I was like, all right, I do have to admit I'm so sorry about this, but your appearance makes me very uneasy and I think it's just because you look different than me, but I would really like to learn about you. So what is your name? And he said, my name is Mosias. And I was like, awesome. So Mosias, what is your, what is your purpose here? And he had kind of the best thing that I, the best way I can describe it is it kind of looked like a very, very futuristic iPad. I know that's a really bad example, but it did. It looked like a a kind of floating electronic iPad. And he said, I am here to document humanity and what it is that you need. And I said, I don't understand what you mean. Do you mean like what kind of cereal we like eating or like what we live on. And he said both. He said, we, my kind is attempting to create environments where your kind can live in should there be a catastrophic failure of your planet. And I said, excuse me? And he said, yeah, if there is a problem where you are unable to live on this planet anymore, we need to have a backup system for you. So we are doing a documentation process of getting to 
realize what it is that you would need to survive. So different necessities such as environmental necessities, as well as different kinds of sustenance and things like that. He was like, what do you live on? And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, do you, do you live off of energy? And I was like, I guess sometimes, but we also like eat cereal. And he said, what is that? So I would have to like show him what cereal was. And then he was like, okay, so will you need incubators? And I was like, excuse me? And he said, for your children. And I was like, we do it really archaically here. (laughs) My experiences with Mosias over, I think it was three or four days that he was there were so fun. He was such Oh, I I miss I miss him. I miss him so much. I'm going to have to try to contact him again because he's so sweet. But he stayed with me for like three or four days and just would ask me all types of questions. And I would ask him questions about different extraterrestrial races and how they worked and different things like that. And it was just fascinating to hear about the different ways that uh, other planets and other cultures works work. So he was telling me about this planet because um, I asked him how they reproduced in other planets. And he said, well, which one? And I said, I don't know, just one that's different than how we do it. And he said, most of them are different than how you do it. And I was like, great. So I said, what is the most common way that extraterrestrials reproduce? And he said, Well, there are incubators, uh, or what you would call incubators, and they are little capsules that we put DNA or cells from two beings or multiple beings, depending on what is needed, and we put them within that incubator or that capsule, and we allow that, those cells to adapt into what you would call an infant. And this infant doesn't really have parents. They are just raised by the people within that culture. So they don't really have any set parents. They don't have like a mother or a father or assigned uh, beings that are in charge of them. They are just expected to learn from the ones around them and not really rely on anyone being in particular they're kind of more self-reliant than your infants and I was like I mean any anybody's more self-reliant than we are let's just be honest and I just realized how long this episode is so I'll go ahead and wrap it up but basically I I know that this is very long-winded I I did record this episode before and it was also long-winded so I knew that it was going to be a long subject in the first episode But like I said, I hope that this kind of opens the door to kind of giving you a a starting point of asking questions about extraterrestrials. And like I said, when I move to Phoenix, Arizona in November, I'm hoping that it will be a, a good time and a good place for me to start connecting to extraterrestrials in a, a more close way than I am right now. I've kind of become disconnected from them over the last couple of years, which actually is to my own disappointment. I don't know if it was just my environment or what I was going through at the time or just that I haven't been um, 
kind of opening those doors as much as I was when I was in Reno, but I'm hoping that being in a new environment will help me to open those doors again so that I can be communicating with more extraterrestrials and hopefully get more information for you guys too, as well as myself. But I hope that you liked this um, episode and I hope that it brought some clarity for you and hopefully maybe answered some questions that you had about extraterrestrials and helped you to understand them or maybe even be more open to reaching out to extraterrestrials yourself. And if you are, I would highly recommend checking out uh, Stephen Greer's documentaries and looking into CE5 because it's really, really an accessible and really awesome way, I think, to connect with extraterrestrials in a more concrete and physical way that I think that a lot of people need in order to feel um, as though they're really connecting to something. It's a lot different than just meditating and having uh, a god or a goddess come through in meditation. It's more of a physical thing. So I think that it could be really helpful for people who are looking to connect with star beings and extraterrestrials. But before I close up this episode, I do want to mention that anybody who wants to book a session with me, I do restock my store, which is www.arielwillow.com, and you can click the button on the header link. Um, I do encourage you to read my policies and terms of service before booking with me, but after doing so, you can head over to my shop and uh, it gets restocked every Sunday with new sessions for the week. So if you're looking to book a session with me, you can do so there. And as always, stay safe, stay curious, and keep learning. And I hope to talk to you again sometime very soon. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks so much for your support. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.